Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Together again on a Saturday morning. Hey, seven minutes after six o'clock. Good morning. Good morning. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. It's getting close. Oh my gosh, it's getting so close. One week away. Uh, I hope you are relaxing, though, and you're over the hurdles of the, the trickiest part of the holidays, which is just getting all the gifts, getting all the things done, getting everything wrapped, and you're just relaxing with your family this coming week. A lot of the kids are out of school, so I know it's going to be a little bit of a hectic week coming up trying to entertain the little ones. But thanks for joining me on a Saturday morning. Hope you'll call and be part of the show. 404-872-0750. Got DeMarco, got Anne here this morning. So the gang is all here ready to take your calls. Um, last Saturday, maybe it was. Yeah, it must have been. Uh, I left the show. And of course, I listened to WSB on the way home. And I was listening to Dave Baker in the Home Fix It show. And uh, he texted me. He's like, call. I want you to call the hotline. Call the hotline now. And I had missed the caller's question that he was um, asking me to provide advice for. But a lot of you may have heard it. A lady was asking about dehumidifier water. And uh, watering plants, and, and Dave and his guest weren't quite comfortable whether or not to answer that question. So I said, yeah, in shows past, um, talking about segments of watering and water conservation when we're going through droughts and stressful periods, um, saving that water from a dehumidifier and watering plants with it, absolutely. Um, distilled water, just regular water collected from a dehumidifier can even be used to water plants that could be sensitive to fluoride or chlorine or hard minerals that are in tap water. So that's an alternative. That's an option. But then Dave kind of threw me a loop saying, what about my tomato plants? Can I water my tomato plants or anything in my vegetable garden uh, with the water from a dehumidifier? And instinctively, I said, yeah, right right off the bat. But then I got to thinking, and I think his guest uh, was like, well, you know, there may be stuff in the water that you don't want to put on your plants. I thought, okay, that's that's definitely worth the research. And I got a call from Cynthia, uh, a listener who who heard me on Dave Baker's show and kind of weighed in on that and has had a home remediation with mold and mildew. So that's a whole new level of uh, the moisture and the water uh, that you don't want to use, you know, once there's been mold and mildew established and all of that. But I, I wanted to research it a little bit further just to make sure so I did discover two reasons why you shouldn't drink the water from, uh, well, <laughs> drink the water, but that goes to, lends itself to, of course, you can use it on edible plants as well um, from dehumidifiers. So number one, heavy metals and industrial pollutants. Um, it's not expected to be consumed. So I guess the same would hold true for anything you're going to consume coming from the plant. 
Um, the machines don't use food-grade materials, which makes sense. But if the water passes over plastic or metallic surfaces in the dehumidifier, uh, carcinogenic compounds and heavy metals, maybe copper, aluminum, that kind of thing, can lead to lead in that water. So I didn't know that. I don't know about the internal makeup of a dehumidifier. Um, and another reason is the microorganisms, because that pool of water that is collected in the dehumidifier stays stagnant, right? And when I clean mine out, I've got the pink slimy mold sometimes around the sides. So the bacteria is living, multiplying as the water sits in there and stays stagnant. So as that collects in the bucket, that may be something, of course, again, you don't want to take the risk of putting on your um, your edible garden. So there you go. I think it's probably safest then to not use that water uh, for anything edible, but for house plants and all other things, it is typically safe. And I found a great article, too, in doing this research from the Missouri Botanical Garden. And boy, that, that website, if you've never been on it, the Missouri Botanical Garden's website, it's just a huge encyclopedia of, of a lot of things, uh, a lot of great articles. They really get in-depth, not too scientific, but in-depth about the topics that you're trying to discover. So uh, here in just a minute, I'll talk about kind of watering houseplants, how to really keep yourself honest and true to doing that the right way. But uh, when talking about the dehumidifier thing, it's talking about ordinary tap water, well water, rainwater, all of that's okay. It's, it's even melted snow, you know, to use once that's at room temperature. The chlorine added to drinking water, it says, doesn't harm most plants, but some can develop brown leaf tips over a period of time. But, you know, it's interesting. It says you can just remove the chlorine from the tap water when you let it sit in an open top bucket for 24 hours. The chlorine evaporates, and that allows the water to warm to room temperature as well. So that I didn't know. Uh, fluoride, though, cannot be removed from the water the same way. That can certainly cause brown spots or leaf tips to brown as well. So any sensitive plants, certain house plants and things like that, you may not want to use uh, the tap water if it's got fluoride in it. And then it goes back to distilled water or water collected from a dehumidifier can be used um, even on plants that are sensitive to fluoride or chlorine. And along with rainwater, those are good choices for watering things. Um, but, you know, really it's just trial and error. When you're doing houseplants and taking care of things, you have to kind of find the right method, you know, what works for you. Certainly you've got to get to know the plants, what their needs are. So maybe if you've been watering a little too much and it starts to look a little peaked or the leaves start to yellow, back off maybe. And then if you've backed off too much, kind of hit the accelerator again, you just kind of have to find that right balance. But what Walter Reeves always said was sticking your finger in the top inch or two of soil. And I know your finger's going to get dirty, but that's the best way to see if the soil's dried out. Um, nothing fancy. You know, I mean, don't do it every Thursday just because. Um, there are certain plants, though, that don't like to dry out. Evenly moist, when I say consistently watered, that's what I mean. Not letting it dry out for a day or two or three if you're out of town and then you come back and the soil's just bone dry. Plants like maidenhair fern, which I've got, uh, prayer plant, yep, poinsettia, yep, those are the ones that don't like to dry out in between. Some of them do. Um, some of them do like to have the soil dry out in between. And if you think about it, it makes sense. You're talking about cacti and succulents, uh, jade plants, kalanchoe, sedums, air plant, all that kind of stuff in the house. So if it's that succulent kind of feel, it makes sense to let the soil dry out. Um, likes the top inch of soil to dry out between waterings, but does want to be watered well. That's going to be the bigger house plants. You think of uh, pothos, dumb cane, 
uh, plants like that that may also go through a dormant or resting period. So the top inch of soil can dry out, but it overall wants to stay pretty consistently uh, moist as well. But when you let the top layer of soil dry out, a lot of times folks have called and said they have gnats you know, that are flying around these houseplants and they can't quite figure the source of it. When that top layer of soil stays wet, that is inviting to all kinds of insects that may come in from another plant as you bring things in for the wintertime. So letting that at least top layer of soil dry out is beneficial for a number of reasons. Um, Selecting a watering method too. You know, we always talk about watering at the base of the plant and 90% of the time, that's going to be the way you want to water. The water is going to be more focused, more concentrated. There's not going to be evaporation. There's not going to be waste when you water at the base of the plant. It needs to get to the roots. It's not for the leaves. It's for the roots. So it gets right to where it needs to go. And when you think about something starting to fail and you've tried watering, you've tried less watering, you've moved it around, made sure it has the sufficient sunlight needs and all of that, Don't be afraid to check the roots. That's something I did this summer. I mean, pothos, devil's ivy, no one should kill that. Absolutely no one should kill that. But mine, hanging over the garden tub of the bathroom, just started to look really weak. And I had not changed anything with the way I'd watered it for four years. So I thought there's got to be something else going on. So sure enough, checking the roots, pulling it out of that hanging basket and realize how pot-bound it was. My goodness, it was so pot-bound. And you think about it, I'd had it for four or five years. I always cut the dead parts of the vine off. And of course, it loses leaves. That's natural. Nothing was wrong. But uh, I repotted it in a hanging basket that was about an inch or two larger. And that's exactly what it needed. I was able to tease the roots out a little bit so that they weren't spiraling. Added fresh soil, which that's always a good idea, too. You think, oh, I've got all these houseplants. I've never had to repot them. They're doing great. They're thriving. If nothing else, if they're not pot-bound, which if they're healthy, they they will get there eventually because when they're healthy, they're going to put off more and more roots indicating that they're growing and they're thriving. So they're going to need to move to something larger. But also think about when you move it to something larger and you're introducing new soil to fill that void, to fill that spot, that new soil you're introducing is going to have the nutrients and the vitamins and all the kind of things that it, that it comes out of the bag with and everything you've had in that pot for three, four, five, six years As you water and the water leaches out the drainage holes in the bottom, you're losing some of the nutritious value of the soil, too. So the soil just kind of becomes void of any uh, nutrition after a while. So introducing new soil as you repot something uh, larger is going to be probably key. So this is just a great article about watering. I'm probably going to share it on the Facebook page. If you haven't already, do like the Facebook page. I'm really sorry I haven't been active uh, very much since Thanksgiving. Uh, got sick, went out of town, got sick again, celebrated a birthday, and there's just been a lot going on. And this time of year is slow. It's, it's hard to come up with content, but that's why I love hearing from you. You give me ideas. You ask great questions of things that I think, okay, well, if Bob in Jonesboro is wondering that, I wonder how many other people are thinking that. So it gives me good material uh, to share on the WSB newsletter that comes out every other Friday. And on the Facebook page as well. So search Green and Growing WSB on Facebook. Like or follow the page. And my New Year's resolution, if you'll give me just a little more time, is to get back up and running with that good content and good material and stuff that you share. And stuff coming from my guests as well. My goodness, I had a huge compilation of just all these wonderful folks over the last month and a half that I've been able to visit with and travel to and and talk to about their 
uh, areas of expertise and, and have brought you all of that. So we'll play snippets of that between now and the end of the year, but I plan to be with you every Saturday from now until New Year's Eve. We'll be together. 404-872-0750. The top three things to do in the landscape when we return. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Weekend weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing and Channel 2 Chief Meteorologist Brad Nitz, who's filled in for Christina and done a fabulous job this week with all of the rain. Uh, The forecast for today, mostly cloudy early, but partly cloudy throughout the day. High of only 47, low of 29. So if you haven't already brought everything in, ah, we're in trouble. Tomorrow, mostly sunny skies, high of 45, low of 28 and continuing into a kind of a cloudy situation to start the work week. And we may see rain again, but not till Wednesday. Fingers crossed the complete forecast comes up in less than 10 minutes. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Okay, (laughs) as if I need to add anything to your to-do list. I know you have a lot to do. Um, But it may be time, while it's dry, Get out there and check the automatic irrigation systems. Make sure the timers are set now properly. Um, A lot of lawns need less irrigation. Fescue, of course, if you recently seeded that within the last six to eight weeks, um, it may still need, you know, some water uh, for the new seedlings that have germinated. But obviously the dormant grasses, all the rain we've gotten has been more than enough. So make sure that timer set properly. Don't let that run in the rain. That drives me crazy when I'm out driving in the rain and people's sprinklers are on. Uh, but I digress. Check also for signs of leaks, damaged heads as well. You don't want any of that freezing up when the temperatures drop. So get everything in order now. Number two, inspect your hellebores um, and give them as gifts. I was very pleased to walk out into the backyard. Hadn't done so in about a week. Uh, the other day, and one of my Lenten roses is already blooming. It's the the newest one that I just bought from Pike. I have two that are established. I had a third one die, so I finally bought a replacement one um, earlier in the fall, and it's already blooming. So go inspect those, though. You want to look for dead stems, cut them back, boost them with a little bit of fertilizer, watch them bloom in just a few weeks Well, from now, really, probably through February. They're going to look great. I gave one as a hostess gift to Sabrina Cupid. Uh, that works here at the station. And boy, she was pleased with that. You know, I didn't bring a a poinsettia or something that was going to die. I brought her a hellebore that she can plant in her landscape. And it was sentimental to her. Um, That really meant a lot. So that's a great plant to give as a gift. And it's got winter flowers. So that's going to make somebody pretty happy. And also the reason that I'm saying this on the to-do list, because this time last year, a lot of them had a disease. Um, A lot of them had like a dieback type deal where they were rotting. And that was something that horticulturalists uh, weren't real familiar with at the time. It was kind of a newer uh, thing. So I had this on the to-do list this time last year as well. But that still could be the case. So you just want to make sure nothing's rotting at the crown of the plant. And number three, my friend Becky Griffin that all of you have heard from, from the University of Georgia. A great year with the Great Georgia Pollinator Census. Wow, fantastic. And bringing other states now in the southeast into the fray to count pollinators next year. So she's had a busy year. But I spoke to her months ago, and she said at the end of the year she finds herself reflecting on garden successes and failures. This time of year, it's a good time to do it. Uh, Review your journals, your notes, the calendars, the places that you made notes Remind yourself of the tasks you did in 2022, whether or not you want to repeat those in the coming year. Make sure you've got what you need as far as the tools and the pots and the soil. And I've got 
a ton of seed packets friends have given me. So I need to start planning. Well, where am I going to plant those? When am I going to plant them? I need to kind of lay it out on a calendar to prepare. Make sure your seeds are staying properly stored. They're staying dry. And have pruners and mower blades sharpened right now in anticipation of the spring. Go ahead and get ahead of that. 404-872-0750. Taking your calls when we come back. And also, Rafael Santiago and Jeff Roth from Premier Tree Solutions. ChopMyTree.com will be in studio at 7. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Back so quickly to Green and Growing right here on 95.5 WSB. So I promoted the uh, Facebook page, which you're not going to see a whole lot of new activity, but there's always stuff. There's seasonal stuff there. Um, and the website as well, wsbradio.com slash green and growing backslash, I think. Uh, backslash green and growing and you'll be able to listen to the shows previous shows as podcasts um, hour by hour so if you want to take it an hour at a time you don't have to listen to the entire three hours Um, and reading the blogs for the newsletter that I do every other Friday and Q&A's from all of you also uh, Walter Reeves advice and the uh, calendar like a classes and events calendar this month is pretty slow um, but generally, there's a, a lot of good stuff on there from Trees Atlanta and Piedmont Park and Pike Nursery and local master gardener groups, um, all these opportunities for learning and getting together, sharing experiences, um, and just things to do with the family as well. So uh, you'll want to check that out, wsbradio.com slash green and growing. So 404 872 0750 is the number to call to get on the show. And that's exactly what my folks have done who are on hold now. So first up is Judy calling from Jefferson. Hey there. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. How are you? I am doing great, but I am aggravated with my Confederate rose. Oh, no. It's, it's tall and spindly right now. It looks really ugly. Of course, it's bare. But uh-huh. during the summer, it was just really ragged. And I want to know, can I cut it back during the summer? Do I cut it back now? Do I just dig the whole thing up and move it? It's in full sun, and it gets, you know, I do keep it watered. And um, I'm just real aggravated with it. I've seen others that are absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and I mean, they do really require uh, some pruning from year to year just to not look so spindly and so leggy for sure. So selective pruning is where I would start, Judy. But I really think from now um, until February is a good time, but be prepared to protect it, right? Um, I don't think this is a plant that this applies to, but typically I don't say to prune much right now because when you prune a plant, that sends you know, uh, signals to it to put on new growth. And then, of course, 
it's putting on new growth at a bad time. And of course, it's going to get nipped with a freeze or a frost. Uh, but in this case, it's gone dormant. It's done. It's finished flowering. So you have from maybe now till February to go ahead and prune it. And those can be cut back pretty severely. You can cut them back to where the stems are only six, eight inches above the ground and pile oh, some yay. yeah, pile some leaves and mulch around it because they're going to have new growth. They're going to bloom and, and leaf out and all of that on new growth that comes from the roots. Um, so you are able to do that. But I may not, if it if it's been let go and you haven't done any pruning at all in years, I may not go that severe this time. You're going to have to maybe do it in stages. So start so off. I did, I did prune it last year. Okay. But it still didn't, it didn't look, you know, it didn't look, it was not pretty. Yeah. But. So the leggier stems of it, I would take back by about a third or by half. Um, and mm-hmm. leave some and make sure when you're starting to really go at it. I mean, you can you can be pretty, pretty brutal on it, but um, take out the ones first that look dead or broken or crossing one another or the ones that are just, you know, reaching out too far and, and look the most leggy. Take those out first. But there's not going to be a whole lot that is going to harm it. But like I said, I, I do think it would be a good idea to then pile some leaves or mulch or something around the base of it just to kind of keep those roots insulated. If, if we have a really, really severe winter, that sometimes could be enough to kill them back. But generally, they rebound and they're just fine. Okay, great. Thank but I mean, when it's, when it's flowering, is it not a cool plant with a different color? You know, they mutate from pink to white and white to pink, the flowers on there? Yes, it's it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> I have this this bush that's about ten feet tall, and I get maybe five blooms on it. Oh it's no! Like so aggravated with it. Yeah, so pruning it, pruning may do it some good. And you did say it gets a lot of sun. Yes. It okay. Does. Yeah, it should be mm-hmm. happy. Um, so maybe come springtime to throw some ten 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 fertilizer on there and kind of give it a little bit of a boost as well, because it's it's just. It maybe it's outgrown its roots. You know, it's gotten so big that the roots haven't kept up, so they don't have the energy uh, to put on as many flowers as it should and as it would like to. So, yeah, that would help, too. Well, that's possible because it is really wide at the, at down around the base of it where yeah. the roots are. It's very, it's huge. Yeah. Don't dig it up. Don't, don't give it away. And then, you know, when you have friends that are commenting on it, you know, late summer or in the fall, like, oh, my gosh, what's that beautiful plant? You can take cuttings and, you know, give them the the cuttings and they can propagate them and start a whole new Confederate rose from yours. Okay, great. Would I just do that in just plain water or do I need to put it in the vermiculite? No, those are so easy. Mickey Gazaway gave me a cutting of hers year, year before last and she gave me a long piece. It was probably 12 to 14 inches long, a bucket of water. That was it. It sat on my back deck in a bucket of water and in no time at all, there were roots coming off the sides um, of the cutting. It was fantastic. And then I just kind of kept an eye on it, kept it protected up against the house and then put it in soil. Oh, I actually put it in the ground. Um, spring, maybe like April, I think I planted it and kind of propped it up and made sure it was protected so it had a chance to grow. But it puts on roots fast. I actually did that with a hydrangea. Yeah. I just cut off the stems and then stuck it in water. I didn't even wait for it to root. I just went ahead and put it in the ground and that, that baby put out leaves last year it didn't bloom but it put out leaves yeah no it'll just be a matter of time and then with the hydrangeas too a lot of folks will take like a lower limb you know that's still attached to the plant and lay it on the ground you know put a rock or a brick or something over it to keep that pressed to the ground and it'll develop roots from the stem that go right into the soil 
Yeah, I've heard y'all talk about that. I haven't um, tried it. I haven't tried it, but I know it can be done. But that's just so impressive. Yeah, I just took that stem and stuck it in the ground, and and it put out some leaves. I was so excited. I hope it'll bloom this year. I think so. Yeah, give it some time. You know, it's got to prioritize where it's sending that energy, but I think you'll have blooms in no time. That's great. It is. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the show. I appreciate you, Judy. You have a good holiday, okay? Thank you. You too. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Great question. 404-872-0750. Up next is David and Tucker. Hey there, David. Good morning. Hello. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. (laughs) All Uh, All of the things. Cover all the things. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Um, I have a section, um, well, actually, most of my backyard is kind of a scrawny fescue. I haven't done much with it. And uh, a good portion of it has a lot of shade since my water oaks have grown up to be about 100 feet tall wow. now. Uh, and I was going to put some ground cover out there. And uh, my first inclination was to use some red clover because I talked to my county ag people and they said, that would die back about the time uh, it was ready to uh, put out any kind of annual garden or flower seed uh, in any area. So I've got some kind of rudimentary flower beds, and I've just got areas that just aren't delivering much because they've got uh, enough of the shade from the tall trees. And uh, I wonder if you had any suggestions or comments on the red clover or anything else. I'm thinking that the soil temperatures are getting a little too chilly uh, for it to germinate. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, like, people talk about clover as um, a cover crop, which is great, and any kind of legume, uh, winter peas, anything like that, to carry over, you know, the vegetable beds or the large gardens that folks aren't planting uh, for the winter. And a lot of those cover crops are put out in the fall before soil temperatures fall below, I think, like, 50 to 60, somewhere in that range. Um, That way they have a chance to germinate. And I know when we're talking about the landscape, folks start asking about ryegrass, right? Like to cover bare spots and hold over uh, bare spots ryegrass. And I think that's much the same to where that's really wanting like 50 degrees or warmer soil temperature, not air temperature, but soil temperature to be able to germinate. I'm on the University of Missouri extension right now because I want to be sure that's right about red clover. Um, but what, what is your intention? Is it to do more fescue when the, when the weather warms up? No, no, I'm, I'm pretty much, uh, giving up on grass back (laughs) in that section. Um, I'm just whatever will grow. Yeah. (laughs) No, native plant area. That's awesome. See, there you go. Get some seeds for milkweed and throw some lantana back there. Uh, the, the ones that are a little less demanding of sun. I mean, there's so many different hybrids and varieties now that you can almost make lantana work anywhere. Um, I'm kind of with you on that because I've got two large oaks in the front yard and it's a hill as well. It's a little bit of a slope. And I I mean, it's right by the front door, so grass would look nice. Um, But I've got a combination of lamb's ear that comes back, um, sedum that comes back. Uh, Ajuga is my great, great ground cover, but it spreads quicker than I can keep up with. So it's going over the bricks of my beds, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I just have to keep up with it. But a juga as a ground cover might work well. And it's so pretty, David, because it's got like chocolate chip is one variety that it goes from just a deep green to a purple. And then it does put off flower stalks, the stems uh, that attract the bees. But that you can move like when it starts to spread too much, you just get a flat 
bladed shovel and you can dig that up like pieces of sod and just kind of move it around and spread it where you want it. I'm not finding the, for the clover, I'm not finding the germination uh, desired soil temperature on that. But yeah, I'm kind of thinking like right now, probably not. Um, you know who you could call? You could call my friend Jimmy Adams at Adams Briscoe Seed Company um, down below Atlanta, and he would know. He sells clover and all that kind of stuff, and he is a smart man, and he would be able to tell you kind of what might be the best if there is an alternative. And you were speaking to the extension folks in DeKalb, right? Uh, actually in Cobb. Oh, okay. Okay. Very good. Um, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm definitely not seeing soil temperatures here from the University of Missouri. And that's kind of important information. I'm already more than halfway down the article and they don't mention it. Um, so yeah, maybe some other alternatives, but maybe something now perennial that you're actually going to plant it, you know, once and then it's all set. You're not going to have to go back and do something when the clover dies or ryegrass dies. And then you're kind of in the same quandary in the spring, like, oh, now I have to plant something else. What am I going to do? Well, that's okay by me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, especially if it's something that I just throw the seeds around. Uh, yeah, it's not exactly a major undertaking. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. I. You know, I'm going to reach out to Jimmy Adams, and I'm going to get you an answer because I don't know. I just I don't think it's going to be warm enough. You may get some germination, but it's not going to be enough to warrant your effort and time that you're going to put into it, putting the red clover down. Okay. All right. Already? Yeah, I mean, I needed an excuse to call Jimmy, so now I have one. I'll go ahead and call him and see what he says, and I'll get you an answer. But I'll definitely be back here. The The show will be live next Saturday, so I do hope you call back. Okay, will do. I, I know you will. Thanks, David. Enjoy your weekend. Hey, right, bye-bye. All right, bye. 404-872-0750. David knows you use your county extension office as a really, really good and easy resource. Those folks can get you the answers you need in case you're thinking of something on a Tuesday night at 11 o'clock and you can't reach me. Hey, that's the next best thing. 404-872-0750. Take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to 95.5 WSP. Coming up in 10 minutes, Jeff Roth and Rafael Santiago with Premier Tree Solutions. You hear the commercials. ChopMyTree.com will be in studio with me. So tree questions, tree health, tree pruning, uh, maybe suggestions for one to plant. Call us because these guys know. 404-872-0750. We'll still take calls about other things, but really uh, more focused on tree questions. So the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing from Channel 2 Chief Meteorologist Brad Nitz. Today and tomorrow, highs only topping out in the mid-40s, and it's going to be partly to mostly cloudy skies. Green. Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. I'm glad I don't do the weather because it's hard. I mean, I, I just don't even sound good giving you two days. I certainly couldn't forecast ahead to five or seven days. But I do the traffic, and I have a traffic tip for you in just a few minutes. But first, yeah, top three things. Number one, uh, my friend Becky Griffin. You know, I talked to so many experts that I'm so grateful for my relationships with them. Uh, she, she told me months ago... This time of year, you reflect on garden successes and failures. It's probably a good thing to do, not doing a whole lot outside. So look back at journals, look back at notes and calendars, what you did last year. You may kind of forget some of the things you did that you want to try again. Maybe you want to start earlier um, and also make sure seeds are stored properly. That way they're ready for you in the spring. Pruners and mower blades, all of that. Go ahead and sharpen those in anticipation of spring. Number two, inspect hellebores. 
Look for dead stems right now. Cut those back. Boost them with a little bit of fertilizer. One of mine is already starting to bloom, uh, so there's not going to be a whole lot I'm going to do to that one. It's pretty healthy, but if they're leggy or there's some dead stems, cut those back. They're going to be so showy here in the next few months, and give them as gifts. That I have recommended that to two or three friends. That is a great hostess gift that they can plant in the yard, and it's perennial. It's always going to have green foliage on it. It's going to be beautiful. And number three, time to check irrigation systems, right? Reset the timers if you need to because of all the rain we've had. You do not need to be running those right now. Uh, a lot of lawns irrigated less right now. Obviously, they're dormant. Uh, check for signs of leaks or damaged heads. You don't want those freezing up and the temperatures drop. And it's going to get down to like 29 tonight and 28 tomorrow. Uh, So the traffic tip for you, plan an alternate route for 400 northbound this weekend. If you plan to take it tonight or tomorrow night, they are shutting it down, the Georgia Department of Transportation, that is, from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. You're going to run into that. They're shutting 400 northbound down at 285. Traffic's going to be forced off there. you got to go east over to Peachtree Dunwoody or west over to Roswell Road. Use that as an alternate. So just plan accordingly. You don't want to get stuck in that backup. That could be miles traveling between Buckhead and Sandy Springs. See, I'm better at traffic than I am weather. That's why we have Christina Edwards and Brad Nitz. 404-872-0750. Premier Tree Solutions up next on 95.5 WSB. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.